Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Something Healthy, a.k.a. Broke Bitch Anonymous. That feels so weird to say, and I'm praying that I made the right decision. I think I did. It was getting to the point with the whole Broke Bitch Anonymous thing where it felt like the title was more of an expense than it was serving me. Like, I was getting really tired of be having to be so self-deprecating every time I told someone what my podcast name was. And I was also getting tired of even like with potential sponsors and stuff, kind of having to explain the whole MO because yes, there are people who will sponsor you with a title called broke, Bitch anonymous. Sure. Why not? This is podcasting. Anything goes, who gives a fuck? But also I just started to picture my future. Uh, and I just, I, I hope I made the right call with the name. I did have a list of like a hundred potential names and I hope I didn't rush into it. But as soon as I thought of this one, it just felt, it felt like it made sense. And I, I just had it in my head for the last week or so. And I kept, I know I'm late with this episode as always lately, I, I'm going to get better, but I promise. But as soon as I got this one in my head, I was like, okay, I, I like it. It makes sense. It's kind of tying all these pieces of my life together. I think I just have to go with it. I think I have to run with it. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not even going to put an episode out last week. I'm just going to redo the branding and just run with it. And that's my problem. Well, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm not sure if you guys are like this or if anyone who's listening is like this, but when I get an idea in my head and I like it, like I kind of have to execute it. I have to run with it, even if it falls completely short and just completely goes to shit and burns everything in its sight. I have to, I have to try it. So that's probably why my life has been so, some would say impulsive and a little bit all over the place because seeing something through while I try my best and I think I have seen a lot of things through, I also feel like I just need to do something when I get excited about it. So this is the new, this is the new name, same show. My only concern is that people will start to think that this is like a wellness podcast, which I want to make very clear just from the jump that this is not in any way, shape or form anything in the wellness space. Let me elaborate. It's not that, okay, as per usual, I find myself kind of in between both sides of an issue, hating both sides. So I really dislike the wellness quote unquote community. And when I say wellness, I'm talking like CMOS, Erewhon smoothies and lemon water and taking all these vitamins every day, which obviously I agree with vitamins, but taking all these supplements and being plant-based and, you know, prioritize, kind of reconstructing a lot of holistic medicine concepts to be this like trendy thing that lives both on TikTok and on Instagram and lives mostly to serve 20-something and 30-something thin wealthy women who enjoy shopping at aloe which is if you're not familiar like a yoga boutique lululemon revamp it's not lululemon at all but it's kind of like the almost even more expensive version of that 
um, based in New York, who enjoy shopping at Aloe and who enjoy being kind of a bitch. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, that might be a bit too harsh, but it's kind of this weaponized version of health. And what I mean by weaponized is I feel like wellness, as I have come to understand it in its modern internet appropriate term, takes some of the purest ideas that we have, like health, like healing, those are pretty much the main two, and or like your wellness journey, and it kind of reappropriates them to be a weapon. So for example, you'll go on TikTok and you'll see a bunch of comments that say, oh girl, you need to heal. You really need to heal or which is an insult and also something that will never fully happen. Nobody is ever fully healed just as a baseline level of understanding of even healing. No one is fully ever fucking healed. This is something that really is a lifelong process, but not to get, to get too deep into it. But like these concepts, I feel like are taken and they are repackaged and then they are sold back to us as like weapons um, and things that encourage us to buy more things. And that's why I feel like wellness, as we have come to understand it, is really gross. I mean, it this point has been made a million times, but it really is just diet culture kind of redesigned and rebranded to allow, to kind of shame people, I guess, into buying more things. And of course, there is also that whole discussion about how wellness culture can conceal eating disorders, like this idea of always cleansing and this idea of eating very clean is often, unfortunately, kind of a disguise for more disordered patterns of eating or just your relationship with food in general. And I don't even want to get into all of that, but it really is something in general that pisses me off. And it's the one type of discourse that I will engage with on the internet in a hateful way. Like I'll leave shady comments um, under certain wellness posts that don't, that are, that seem to be missing a very, a much, much, much larger point. So for example, Yesterday, actually, um, there's this there's this viral, well, semi-viral, niche viral smoothie going around on the internet from Erwan. And if you're not familiar, Erwan's a very expensive grocery store in Los Angeles. It was Erwan was never intended to be accessible to people. Erwan is the pinnacle of super out there. Bougie doesn't even begin to summarize it, but you know, like the twenty four dollar fucking sea mosses and juices and bone broths and $30 bottles of water and every imaginable beautiful piece of produce that is extremely overpriced and prepackaged chopped pineapple for, I don't know, $28 literally. And just, it's, it's not meant to be an accessible place for people. It is a very, very West Coast, Los Angeles, California type of thing that became kind of infamous years ago, in my opinion, when I would go to LA, I would always like to go to Erwan because that's where a lot of like celebrities, movie stars and stuff like that shopped because everything was super clean and healthy and pretty much would make you like a superhuman. And now 
TikTok has like discovered that Erewhon exists. So anytime a wellness influencer or really anyone with $100 to spend on smoothies and bone broths goes to Los Angeles, they usually go to Erewhon to do a Erewhon haul. So the latest thing that is super popular right now to get at Erewhon is this smoothie that costs $18. That's like, it's, it's just a smoothie. It has nut butter in it. And some like this thing called blue magic, which I think is like spirulina, which is a blue green algae. Um, it has dragon fruit. It has like coconut cream. It looks really good. It's like some unicorn smoothie or something like that. It looks great. I mean, I'm not mad at it. It is $18. So, okay. I'm not surprised that it's $18 at Air One. And I'm, I don't even care that the, you know, whoever wants to go spend their $18 at Air One to buy the, the, to buy the smoothie, enjoy it. I don't give a fuck. Life is short. People spend their money on a lot of stupid shit. I would probably buy it if I was at Air One and felt like it. Like, I do not care. But I saw this video of the girl who's like drinking her Erewhon $18 unicorn smoothie. And then she's busts out dancing because she's like, oh, people making fun of me for buying an $18 smoothie. Also people at a bar justifying buying their $18 drinks. And then all these reactions to the video were like, oh, she has a point. She has a point. We really should be prioritizing our health. And alcohol is super expensive. So why are you okay with buying alcohol, but you're not okay with buying health food? And it's like, is that one point? Yes, that is a point. However, what we're missing in the bigger conversation is like, since when should we use expensive cocktail prices to justify the fact that a lot of delicious health food is not accessible, affordable, it's really prohibitively prohibitively expensive to most people? Like expensive cocktail prices and quote unquote, eating healthy are two very different things. They cover very different arenas of life and one should not be used to justify the other. And I think when you start using one to justify the other, you run into like a really slippery intellectual territory that really makes very little sense. And it's just a bunch of deranged people who've been drinking too much like fucking blue magic, blue green algae that they're just like if somehow killed off all their brain cells, they don't understand that like one does not equal the other. So stuff like that really pisses me off. And I, I, the thing that pisses me off the most is that people feel very, I I find that there's a smugness to it. Like, "Mm, well, yes, I have my smoothie, but you spend it on alcohol. And it's like, I can't even begin to address the problems with that statement. First of all, like, not only do people have not, I'm not even going to say like alcoholism and drinking problems and stuff like that. Do we spend too much money on liquor in this country? Absolutely. Do we drink too much? Absolutely. But that's just a very different systemic problem compared to your fucking 20 something dollar smoothie at Erewhon. So that is kind of an example of my problems with wellness as a whole. And I also can't help but feel like anytime that something is shoved down your throat like for me the way that wellness is like packaged and sold is so unappealing and I guess not only is it unhealthy to promote health as a trend because that in itself if you just let that concept just 
marinate for a second. It is unhealthy to promote health as a trend. Damn, I'm really spitting today. But not only is it unhealthy to do that, but it's also like we miss kind of, we miss out on a lot of, I guess, important information when we do that as well. And we run the risk of health being something that just kind of expires like any other trend expires. But on the other hand, I really don't like the anti-wellness people, sort of. I mean, I don't like how when you go to the doctor, for the most part, they're not going to tell you, they're not going to try and treat the root cause of most of your illnesses or most of your diseases. They're not really going to recommend any kind of alternative medicine practices, whether that's vitamins, whether that's just simple, more exercise, whether that might be something like acupuncture, whether that might be balancing your hormones from using fewer fragrances and fewer plastics, whether that might just be looking at a deeper lifestyle issue that may potentially be causing whatever illness it is that you're dealing with. They don't really care about that. They're probably just going to prescribe you some medication. And obviously the reason for that is that there's really not a lot of money in prevention. There's not a lot of money in preventative medicine in the same way that there is a lot of money in big pharma. But the people who really shit on wellness as wellness has bled into, I I would say, holistic nutrition and medicine, I think also miss a lot of valid points. So, and there's also the people who are like, well, it's just way too expensive to eat healthy. And I, and it's just, ridiculous that anyone would suggest anything like that. And while I sympathize and I do agree, there's also a certain point where you have to take your fucking life and your health into your own hands and do what you can with the resources that you have available. And so I don't have at a certain point that much sympathy for someone who is constantly, constantly, constantly making excuses. I get, I I mean, that sounds harsh to say, I do have a lot of sympathy for it and I do believe I I do know that it can be prohibitively expensive to be healthy especially depending on what your health goals are but at a certain point you do have to as an adult take some accountability and realize that there are ways to be relatively healthy There are ways to eat a fucking vegetable without spending $100. You can go to Walmart and buy vegetables and you're going to spend like 10 bucks. You'll be fine. There's ways to do it. Are they the most glamorous LA approved Air One ways? No, they're not. But there are ways you just have to kind of suck it up sometimes. Now, that doesn't even address like the addictions that come from things like wheat and sugar and stuff like that, which there are a lot of that. Those foods are inherently extremely addictive. Most processed fast foods are literally designed to make you want to eat more of them more frequently and crave them and they rewire your fucking brain. So it's not really as simple as like putting down the Oreos and going to buy a carrot. It's, it's not that simple at all. If it was, everyone would do it, but I resent the anti-health slash wellness people, not as much as I, I hate the wellness people, but I'm skeptical of anyone who leans too hard on, I guess, like conventional medicine and just denies the fact that you can have some autonomy in your own health. I don't like that either. So anyway, 
this is not a wellness podcast and it never will be, but there are elements of health that I do want to talk about more, both financially, spiritually, fucking across the board. So because that's something that's always interested me, I mean, I spent years as a food writer and nutrition was always the thing that kind of made the most sense to me and seemed like one of the most important aspects of food. I mean, it's literally one of the pillars of staying alive (laughs) and being healthy is just like eating well and knowing what that even means. So I am looking forward to kind of like having people on that can speak to more of those little facets. But yeah, this is not a wellness show whatsoever. Am I embarrassed that I changed the name and even embarrassed of the name itself? Yes. But I don't mind if you see my process. I think if there's anything that can be of value from my life so far, it's that I've always been relatively pretty, pretty actually, I wouldn't even say relatively, pretty fucking honest about everything that I have done and not done. So whatever, here we are, chapter two, chapter three, chapter five million, something healthy. But that's enough about that. I want to talk about something else that I think is interesting that's been happening lately. And at first, I had a very different opinion about this. At first, I wasn't even going to speak about it because I'm like, he doesn't deserve the, the breath. But it is, it is interesting. So Andrew Tate, please don't roll your eyes too hard. Andrew Tate, the guy who runs Hustlers University, this famous, <laughs> excuse me, pickup artist slash just misogynistic macho guy who is famous for saying things like, it's not cheating unless I love the other girl. It's just a workout. Uh is famous for kind of defending rapists. I mean, he has a quote about how if you're drinking and you go home with a guy and he does something to you that you didn't want, like you have to take some accountability, which like, I, I really struggle when people start to make statements like that. I really struggle with supporting them. I do. Um, I just feel like rape is something that unfortunately has also been weaponized against men sometimes like with me too, which was a giant failure. I believe, um, I still feel like if we really shouldn't be like screaming it from the rooftops that women are guilty of being raped. I just can't quite get behind that ideology. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm an open person. Love, love a new idea. I just, I can't do it. So Anyway, Andrew Tate, um, never cared much for him. Never really, I mean, it's obvious, right? It's, if you look at, I don't know anything about Hustlers University and Andrew Tate in general. All I know is what I've heard. I've, I haven't like done much research except for this segment now, which was minimal. I'm going to be honest with you, but like the whole thing about it, the reason I haven't done much research is because it's very fucking simple. The whole thing about Andrew Tate is that he created this kind of like monopoly in his hustlers university where you earn like money and credits or something. You like progress in the course 
if you share clips of Andrew Tate on social media. So I believe Andrew Tate's been banned from platforms like not Facebook and Instagram that he just got banned from, but he's been banned from having his own account on certain other platforms. So the way he went around this was to, and also the way that he was able to spread his message so deeply and quickly was to create very viral, controversial sound bites and then encourage his followers and his students to repost those clips on platforms like TikTok, Instagram Reels, everywhere. And the more your page and the more those clips gain views and traction, the more you progress in the course. Genius idea in terms of becoming a very notorious viral figure quickly. Gain an army of loyal fans and followers. Encourage them to spread your kind of shitty message. And boom, you're Andrew Tate. So because I knew that a lot of those clips that I would see circulating and people would get really worked up about were very much by design to make you worked up and also that Andrew Tate was profiting off of your hysteria or not hysteria. I mean, like profiting off of your like just disgust and profiting off of people being like, what the fuck is this? That Andrew Tate was at the top of the food chain, just laughing at everyone, arguing about it. And profiting off of all of these posts and reshares. Because I knew that, I never really got too invested. Now, did it bother me when I saw certain people that I follow and consider friends and who have supported me in the past support Andrew Tate? Kind of, because I'm like... Listen, I understand that, like, for example, the fresh and fit guys or even like, I don't know if you this is more niche, but if you guys follow like Grand Wizard on Instagram or even like academics and just people who every time they would post Andrew Tate, they wouldn't really take a a kind of counter approach or they wouldn't really take a disgusted tone. Even if he was saying something really egregious, they would just be like, "Ooh, the top G speaks again. Or they would like fresh and fit have them on, have him on their show and stuff like that, which I can't say I'm surprised, but it was slightly disappointing because I do feel like Andrew Tate is on a different level of hate than all those people that I just mentioned. A very, 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 very different level. I'm not sure if I'm just picking and choosing because the other people are my friends, but I don't think I am just picking and choosing. Andrew Tate is a very extreme version of any sort of male focused platform. So when I heard the news, I'm going to be honest with you. You know how I'm always like censorship is bad. I don't even know if I always say this, but like, I I do believe that. And I love to, I would love to be the type of person who's like, you know, everyone deserves to defend themselves and the internet should be free and open the way that it once was. I mean, I am that, I think that is what I genuinely believe, but I was kind of shocked at my own reaction and I didn't want to publicize it because when I heard that Andrew Tate got kicked off of Instagram and Facebook, AKA just like the meta platforms, which happened less than a week ago, when I heard that, I honestly was like, not mad. I was like, honestly, that actually makes sense because he spreads a lot of hate and vitriol 
And out of anyone who I'm going to defend, it's not going to be fucking Andrew Tate. Like you, you're out here defending rapists. You're out here promoting some really shitty ideas, frankly, to some young men who are probably very impressionable. Definitely. I mean, when I was young, I've never been a young man, but when I was young, I had tons of shitty ideas in my head because I was impressionable and they had been put there by other people. So I, when I heard it, I'm like, you know what? He kind of asked for it in a sense. Like on the, on the other hand, the other side of the spectrum, you have someone like Steve will do it, who, if you're not familiar, massive YouTuber gives away hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions by this point to people in need, he gives away cars. He got famous for just getting super drunk online and I think like gambling or something. I don't know. He has this YouTube channel, but his YouTube channel is super positive He's taking kids with cancer out on shopping sprees. He's going to Mexico and handing out racks of cash. Every time, I'm, I swear to God, almost almost every time I watch Steve Will Do It's YouTube channel, I actually cry and I like have to spread out. Like I have to mentally and emotionally prepare myself to even click on a Steve Will Do It video because I already know I'm probably going to cry. So I don't, I don't even watch them like as often as I would like to support him because I'm like, I can't cry right now. Like I need to do things. I need to like go to the store. I need, like, I, I can't just be weeping all day. But anyway, his YouTube channel is in general, super positive. Does he support Trump and like have some maybe controversial figures join him on some of his adventures? Sure. But who gives a fuck? He's a good person. He's a positive person. And he's doing a lot for a lot of communities globally. He got his YouTube channel removed and that really pissed me off because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like what? And apparently it was on some minor discrepancy about how he had put a gambling link in one of his YouTube description videos. So stupid. Like it, it just reminds me of like Kodak or like, wasn't it Kodak that got pulled over a few months ago for driving with an expired tag or just something, just some stupid little minor thing and now it just and then Kodak went to prison and Steve will do it or jail thankfully he got out obviously and now Steve will do its YouTube channel has been completely removed and it's like on some stupid technicality you're you're done like that's just it's retarded but anyway so when that someone like that gets kicked off a platform it's upsetting understandably and usually even with most people to me like I know there's not a lot of people who enjoy Jordan Peterson is he kicked off still of Twitter I can't remember anyway, or Alex Berenson, who was like very vocal about being anti-vaccine, COVID-vax, um, certain people like that. I think that those people should stay on the internet. They should be allowed to defend themselves. And even if they're spreading shitty ideas, you should allow people enough autonomy to be able to sort through those ideas and even if they're young and impressionable to instill like give enough fucking other knowledge and intellect I guess to people that they can then once they get older sort through the good and the bad ideas that have been placed in their heads that's what it means to be an adult is like finally becoming a self-actualized person and understanding what you believe in and being able to be exposed to a whole spectrum of ideas and concepts and ideologies and figuring out which ones 
seem the best to you. That's what it means to be a person. So I really, really disagree with removing someone completely, like scrubbing them off of a platform, even though these are private platforms technically. I mean, you have to have the whole discussion of like, even though Twitter is a private platform, it's still arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest public domains of sharing information. And when you completely ban or remove someone, it is a little bit dangerous in terms of what could come after that. Who could be banned after that? Will they just start banning everyone? Like there are, I mean, there are literal examples of like Alex Berenson, for example, the, I can't, some government agency literally like wrote to Twitter and was like, can you please remove this guy? And they did. So anyway, big tech and government collusion is unfortunately, whether you like it or not, a pretty real thing. And it does happen often. And people get removed from the internet often. And it seems unjustified to me. And I think it's a dangerous direction that things could head in because the internet is such an important place, obviously, to be able to just like not only get information, but share information, defend yourself and just speak like it's we arguably speak more online than we do in person. So it's an important place. Obviously, that's it sounds like such a stupid thing to say. The Internet is an important place. We know. Anyway, when Andrew Tate got removed, I actually found myself being like, OK, kind of good. Honestly, OK. And I had to catch myself, honestly, and be like, wait a minute, I can't make if I if I'm having this belief where I don't think people should be kicked off the Internet, then I can't draw the line arbitrarily somewhere where, you know, Donald Trump is OK, but Andrew Tate isn't like that's it's that's a, that's I'm being pretty hypocritical there. So I had to kind of take a step back and I'm like, and actually my favorite podcaster ever made this point, obviously, but Tim Dillon made this point of like, what is more dangerous, big tech collusion or, or a pickup artist? Like truly, what is, what is more dangerous? Andrew Tate's shitty pro rapist, just nasty ideologies or the government and big tech colluding to remove people as they please and silence whoever the fuck they disagree with. Truly. So ultimately, even though I think Andrew Tate is pretty fucking disgusting and I would be very happy to never see another Andrew Tate clip in my life. And also side note, I don't understand how he apparently gets all these women and bitches and whatever, because he's like, for like someone who has made a career off of being a pickup artist, it gives me the most scammy vibes because he's just not even like attractive. It's just all of, he doesn't even have good style. Like it's just gross all around. I can't imagine a world where someone like that approaches me and I'm like, oh yes, like here, you, like, I just, all of it is fucking bullshit, but who cares? Let the people have their bullshit if they want it, I guess, because you can't, you can't cherry pick. You cannot cherry pick between, I don't know, one person or the next. You can have your own personal ideas, but when it comes to like the public space, I don't think 
that you should start deciding who is right and who is wrong because inevitably, I mean, you don't know, like you, you do kind of know that rape is a bad thing. You do know that, but you still should not cherry pick who is allowed to speak and who is not allowed to speak. And you should also acknowledge, and this is maybe the most important point, like when you silence somebody, especially someone who had already a big public platform and it had, and has a very big voice, their pull, this is kind of the Alex Jones effect, their pull will only become stronger because now their message, you've made their message seem so powerful that it must be silenced and it must be ignored. Like you have now made them by accident more powerful. And I feel like with all these new platforms that are not even starting that are pretty popular now, like rumble and uh, parlor and things like that, there are options for people to speak they're not as big. Those platforms are obviously not as big and not as mainstream as something like Twitter or Instagram, but people will always find somewhere to, if you want, you'll always, you can always find somewhere to broadcast your voice. And those followers of Andrew Tate will probably only become more devoted to him and more delusional and, more dangerous, frankly, than if he were to just be able to exist in a regular mainstream public space and looked at kind of like, okay, you're disgusting, but ideally, and most people I think can admit to this, anyone who has followed a cult-like figure who has some very controversial opinions, like I'll give myself with Alex Jones as an example, I honestly, the problem with Alex Jones is he is one of the most entertaining broadcasters of our time like he is so fucking entertaining I'm sorry I used to watch like I still watch him sometimes if I just need to calm down I know it seems counterintuitive because he's like yelling and having a fucking aneurysm on tv and I'm like it soothes me I don't know but there are obviously there's some concepts that Alex Jones has that I do agree with like the vaccine and like certain things like that I mean he takes it a little far but I do think sorry that he's right about some things and I just like I take it for what it is which is not like truth but entertainment which I think is what Alex Jones should be taken as but I think even myself like as I have gotten older I you kind of grow out of it like I don't watch him as much as I used to because you realize like not only is it is it exhausting to constantly be buying into this like extremely alternative ideology where like the world is essentially against us but it's like not really accurate and they're also selling something too so most people I would say who have ever found interest in any sort of alternative cult-like figure you grow out of it like you just inevitably do and you have to give people the autonomy to grow out of it so with someone like Andrew Tate, the only thing I think that kind of pisses me off about the whole thing is that now I feel like he will be compared to others who have been deplatformed, but those others are much smarter, much more prolific, and just much more interesting people than he is. Like, I don't believe that Andrew Tate should be on, like, 
he shouldn't be in the same discussion as somebody like I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Jordan Peterson because that's the only person I can think of right now. But he just shouldn't. Like, it doesn't matter if you think they're equally deranged. I would, like, one is arguably much smarter and better. And I went to the University of Toronto. I studied there. Jordan Tate, like, Jordan Tate. Oh, my God. Jordan Peterson is a great professor. Truly. Like, you can't get into his classes. Um, Andrew, Andrew Tate is not on the same, Andrew Tate is a fucking, like, he's a, he's a genius moron, but, and he's full of hate, but he just should not be compared to these other people who were very wrongly, I believe, deplatformed, and yeah, it's now, like, I think it's just going to give fuel to the fire of people believing in uh, a private company's right to deplatform somebody, which on paper makes sense because you're a private company, but rationally it's like, this is the biggest public square ever. And the last thing is like, anyone who gives dating advice, like truly this is probably the, the out of all the shit that Andrew, like who cares about Andrew, like on it, truly who cares? It's anyone with more than like five brain cells and above the age of, 16 I would hope can begin to recognize that what he's saying is retarded but ultimately like anyone who's really selling you on dating advice as a guru or an expert is so full of shit that I can't even begin I can't I, I can't even begin to try to buy into it and that goes for men and like male and female dating gurus because they're fucking everywhere and some women are arguably not as bad as Andrew Tate, but they're up there. <laughs> some women, some of the, the female-led advice online is arguably just as damaging, I think. Like, one of the main, most pervasive concepts that I keep running into <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I don't know what's wrong with my voice. One of the most pervasive concepts that I keep running into lately – and something that you've probably come across in the last few months because it's fucking everywhere is this idea of living a soft life and not doing anything that is difficult to you or pains you and just kind of taking the soft road, which essentially entails finding a man to provide for you and or finding passive income streams that you don't really have to work too hard to maintain. That obviously is a beautiful thing if you can find that. I mean, same with finding a man to provide for you. Why fucking not? Power to you. However, what the concept and the idea of why this is helpful in dating is like you embrace your feminine energy and your feminine journey and providing or buying gifts or giving things to people is masculine energy but feminine energy is about receiving and when you are living a soft life you're in your receiving energy so this is a very pervasive trend lately and there's a lot of young women who I see being like soft life like I'm living my soft life and I'm always like when the fuck did you live a hard life like no offense but like you're 21 years old. Like you were born in New York City. Like when the fuck did you have, you've never seen adversity or poverty to very much of any extent. I'm sorry. Like when has your life been hard? You haven't even had a real job. Like, I don't know. 
But my main problem with this, I can't remember if I've said this before. I don't think I have, but my main problem is like most of the good things in life come from, I'm going to, I sound like such an old fucking geezer, but like most of the good things in life actually do come from hard work. Most things that actually allow you to progress in this being a person thing come from putting your nose to the fucking ground and working really hard, working when you don't want to, being uncomfortable. Those are the things that allow you to become a more interesting, better person. And if you only have a soft life, well, it's not, you're not going to because life is by definition, by nature, hard by design it's hard and it's only become harder as humans have designed it to be even more insufferable than it needed to be I just feel like our societies are so shittily constructed just in general that like you're you're going up against a lot by saying I'm going to have a soft life yes there is some power in speaking something into existence, but you're, you're going to run into obstacles. And if you've never forced yourself to accumulate some skills on your own by working and being uncomfortable, you're going to have more problems in life. So this concept of living a soft life to essentially have a better life and to have a better love life is so full of shit. And I hope this doesn't come across as patronizing, but I do actually feel kind of bad for the young girls who fully buy into it because inevitably like you're going to have probably some kind of rude awakening, whether that's because your rich boyfriend leaves you, whether that's because I don't know, like there's a crash in some market and your passive income stream gets ripped away from you like mine did with my prospective one day stock market gains that were never actually realized. Um, Whatever that is, like there will be problems. And if you don't know how to handle them, you will have bigger problems. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, that being said... I had to take a break to come back for this one. (laughs) I could probably use some dating advice. I don't know where I'm going to get it. I'm not going to get it anywhere, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I doubt it. But I had a really crazy thing happen to me that I want to do a little story time. Let's take it back to the old days of all the story times. But no, you guys. So I'm not sure how to begin this. I... Like being pregnant has made me really like it's forced me to look at my future and picture what I want that to look like and picture all of the different alternatives as to what it could be. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. And this is weird that I have somehow ended up like this. This is why I'm sorry. You really have to be careful with what you speak and how you speak about things. I I really, really believe that because I remember a few years ago when I was still in New York City, someone asked me like how I saw my life and I pictured my life with like one baby. I was like in a few years, I see myself 
like, I'm not going to lie, probably single, but like having a kid or like a baby and having at the time I really wanted to like, and I still low key want this. We're going to get there eventually, but I I really wanted to manage like a multi-platinum artist or like A&R, some big artist or something like that. So I was like, you know, have a couple plaques on my wall, have maybe like a book or a podcast and like have my kid. I'll probably be single knowing me, but like, that's how I see my life. And then like, Fast forward to now, that is literally what happened pretty much. And obviously it's not ideal. So I'm like, why did I limit myself so much in my future vision? Like, well, where did that, where did that idea of I'll probably be single come from? Like where it's much deeper than can be addressed in this episode. And frankly, much deeper than I want to even begin to address. I mean, this is why I, I've been in and out of therapy for the last few years, but the last, every therapist can't, they can't do it with me. Like my last therapist just was like, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm like, oh God, I mean, it'll help, I guess, but it's not what I'm here for. It's not what I'm here for. If I wanted someone to pray for me, I would, I mean, it's just not what I'm here for. I wanted some clarity, which I believe God can give me also, but you know, it just, it felt like, okay, well, we're, we must be in too much shit to even talk our way out of them. We just got to give it to God at this point. But anyway, I have been reimagining my future now, forced to reimagine it. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this kid pending. Everything goes well, uh, which I think it's, it is. I had an ultrasound scan. Sorry. The story is like taking a million different side roads, but I promise we're getting there. Um, I had an ultrasound scan a few days ago and it's, it was so weird. First of all, there's this one old lady who does all the ultrasounds like that I've ever had at my hospital. And she's just like, so this is why I hate like boomers and like old people. Like they just don't have, it's almost like I, this is going to sound dumb, but I swear to God, it's almost like I've done more research about ultrasounds in the, and how they have changed in the last 20 to 30 years than she has ever cared to do. Like she just went to school, learned what was there to like, learned what was in the book. And now she just does what she does. She's been doing it for the last at least 30 years and that's what she does. So anytime I'm like, can you like not push down so hard or like hold the thing, the wand to the baby's head so much. Cause it's like radiation and it's very loud. It's like generally not healthy. There are some things that link it to like autism and just a bunch of different brain defects, not defects, but I mean, pretty much like not developing normally. So I don't love having really long, really painful, pushing down hard ultrasounds. And usually she's kind of good, but it's also like every time I tell her, like, can you just be kind of fast and efficient and like not hang out there too much? She's like, well, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. And I'm like, just please shut the fuck up and listen to me. But anyway, um, I had an ultrasound with her per usual a few days ago and it was really weird. (laughs) First of all, my baby's breech, which sucks. Hopefully, like, hopefully he or she, I was really hoping to confirm the gender and still not tell anyone, but hoping to confirm it. Um, but the baby is breech. So that means that they are like standing up pretty much, which is impossible to you. I mean, it's not impossible, but most people will not deliver a baby like that. They have to give you a C-section. So I'm hoping that the baby flips on its own. It's still early. So it probably will. 
But also, um, you couldn't tell the gender because the knees were like everywhere. And that's why she kept trying to press down. And like, it gave me a lot of anxiety because I'm like, I don't want you to like hurt my child. And by doing all this like radiation shit and you still can't find the gender. So whatever. Anyway, but it was a growth scan and it showed that like the arms and the legs are like really long, like 24 weeks. And at the time I was 22 weeks. So the arms and the legs are like two measuring two weeks ahead, like off the charts essentially. And the head and the belly are measuring behind. So my baby is like this alien with really long arms and legs and like a really small head and belly. And um, so they have to do another follow-up scan. Well, they want to do another follow-up scan in a month. And I'm sure it's fine. Like babies grow at different rates and at least like it's going to be tall, I guess. <laughs> but um, but just little things like that, I guess when you're this far into it, like more than halfway through, it does kind of set you off a bit and it does kind of give me some anxiety because I'm like, is everything okay? Like, why is everything not perfect? I wanted everything to be perfect. And that is why I say pregnancy is very humbling because you just frankly can't control a lot. You can do everything that is in your ability and that you know to do well, like take your vitamins, exercise, eat well, all of that stuff. And still your baby can be fucking breech, not showing the gender and like the head and the belly are way smaller than the arms and the legs. Like, I don't know. I don't, I, I thought I was doing everything right. And yet we are here. So thankfully I'm still good. I'm still healthy. Um, thank fucking God, because this is around the time that a lot of complications start to arise, knock on wood. And I am still good. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. So pending everything goes well, which I think it will. I'm about to have this child and I am looking at my future and I'm like, what does it look like? Am I alone? Do I live in Atlanta? Do I live somewhere else? Like, do I have a husband? Do I have more kids? Like, what does my fucking future look like? And it's made me really come to terms with the fact that I really want a more traditional family. I want my child to have a father, whether that is their real father or a stepfather. Honestly, I don't even know if the real father will be in the picture at all. So I'm really not holding my breath for that. And even if he is in the picture, I don't believe that he'll be much of a father. Like I, I feel like he'll probably be somebody that's like very much in and out and probably it'll be more detrimental to the child than if he wasn't even in the picture, to be honest, which is sad, but whatever. Um, I don't even want to get too much into that, but I'm like, okay, I want like a, like a good stable male figure in my child's life. Like, I think that's so important. And especially if they are in the child's life from a very young age, like it's not like you're introducing your 14 year old son or daughter to your new boyfriend. Like that's a very, very different dynamic versus somebody who they've kind of grown up with and don't even remember not knowing, like they were just around since the child was a baby. So I'm like, that would be ideal. The second option would be ideal if that could happen. So I keep thinking like, oh, I, I, I can't wait to meet my husband. Like, I hope I meet my fucking husband. Like, where is the person for me? Like truly where? And obviously I'm not going to meet anyone sitting at home and obviously dating right now would be super weird. And I don't even feel like I look good right now. So I don't even know if I would even want to go on a, a date, even if someone was okay with going on a date with me while I'm pregnant. Like there's so many parts of that that like feel just shitty, you know, it just 
oh, like, I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be in this position. So I'm like thinking about it. But at the same time, I'm at home. I'm bored. I'm alone. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to see what's out there. Don't judge me. I'm just going to see, like, why not? So I downloaded Hinge and I had Hinge, like, I downloaded it in like February of this year for the first time just to kind of see like right when I was kind of mending my heart that had been shattered into a million pieces right when I had kind of not finished but like I my at least chest daily chest pains from heartbreak had stopped or stopped being as bad um I had gotten it then but I like never took it seriously never messaged anyone never met up with anyone so I had had a profile but it was like not up to date, obviously. Um, so I re-downloaded it and remade my profile this week or last week, I guess. Obviously not mentioning that I'm pregnant or anything like that, but just like, I figured, you know what? I'll just keep, I'll keep the door open for my potential husband. Like maybe if there's a chance I meet him on here, like now I just, it makes, it's almost like an insurance policy in a sense. That's kind of how I started to think about it. I'm like, if there is the slight chance that I meet someone now, this is probably the only way I'm going to do it. And it's just like, who cares? Like no one has to know. No one has to know. Like who cares? So I got it. Everything was going fine. I haven't met up with anyone off of it, off of it. And frankly, I don't really plan on it, Um, but everything was going fine. I was getting a lot of matches because it's easy for women to get matches on dating sites. And I picked good pictures of myself. So it just kind of like was warming me up to the idea of dating eventually. And then one day I opened the app and Hinge does this thing where it like decides who you might be most compatible with and it like brings them to your attention. It brings you to their attention. And guess who it brought to my attention? This was so depressing and gave me so much anxiety and self-doubt. On the front page, it's like, Claudia, we think you and blank, I won't even say his name, should meet and guess who blank was? my fucking ex from last year who ghosted me and just disappeared on new year's Eve to go be with that other girl. Um, and just really dogged the fuck out of me and just left me out in literally the freezing cold. Um, him, it was him. Claudia, we think you and him should meet. You're most compatible. I was like, I stared at it and I was like, wow. Okay. So first of all, I guess they broke up. Not that I care anymore. Honestly, I literally hadn't really thought of this man except that he texted me once to apologize. Like, whatever, I'll forgive you. But like, because I'm only forgiving you because I don't want to harbor resentment towards you. Like, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to prioritize my resentment towards you. I don't at a certain point, I don't care. I'm indifferent. So he apologized. I'm like, all right, whatever. Would it be flattering if he like begged me to come back? Of course it would. Would I kind of secretly want that? Of course I would. Do I expect that? No, because he's like weak and a shitty person for the most part. Sorry, but like you don't have to show me 10 times who you are. You showed me five times and I finally understand. But anyway, that is who was recommended to me 
as my most compatible. And I just stared at the page for like five minutes and I refused to like him and I refused to not like him. I just let it exist. I should have just clicked X right away. So he wouldn't have even maybe seen my page. I'm not sure how it works. But instead I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to leave it. And so I just didn't return to that page until I guess it, I came up on his and a small sliver of me was like, I hope he like likes me so that we match on hinge. And maybe this is like our seventh chance. Oh God. I'm so deranged. Truly though. I actually, I did want that. I did. I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I waited and I actually had like a bunch of matches that or a bunch of like people who had liked me that I had to like go through. So I spent like an hour or more going through my matches to see if he would pop up as someone who had liked me. And he didn't pop up, you guys. I guess he was like, no, fuck this bitch. Also, the way that um, I was nauseated when I saw his face on my screen. So that happened. And I guess it honestly affected me more emotionally than I would like to admit, but it also really forced me to reflect on like that time in my life last year where, I mean, it was so fucking different. It was so different. I mean, this time last year I was living in this bougie ass apartment beside the St. Regis in Buckhead. It was super nice, but it was so expensive. I was spending money on the dumbest shit ever going to like Phipps square whatever it's called, Phipps Plaza, going to Bottega Veneta and buying $1,000 shoes when like now, oh my God, I would give anything for that $1,000 back, truly. But it was just such a different lifestyle. And I and what I have come to terms with, and I, I hope this helps someone, especially if like you're still in that lifestyle, which like God knows I could go back. Like I'm not above it. I'm not beyond it. Like I'm only not doing it right now because I'm pregnant and emotionally and like spiritually, I just can't right now. But what it made me come to terms with is like, I have talked such a big game of wanting a husband and wanting like this life partner type of person. And I have done it for a while. Like I've done it without even fully understanding what I was saying and also subconsciously internalizing the fact that I'd probably be single. But at the same time, and that's not to excuse like the men who treated me like literal garbage, but at the same time, I was also not like a safe place. I don't think for anyone really. Like when I was with that guy who just popped up on my recommended hinge page, I was the opposite of a comforting, safe, place as much as I might have tried to be as much as I might have deluded myself into thinking that I was I don't think I even wanted to be loved like truly and like actually be in a loving relationship as much as I thought I did I was so used to having like dozens or like honestly hundreds sometimes of like men kind of like staring at me and paying me for my time that I think I was so addicted to that. I wanted to be, I didn't really want to be loved. I wanted to be adored by like many people, truly. And that's a sad, like gross admission, I think. But when I look, when I reflect on that time in my life, 
only now can I see that I don't want to be adored like in that way at all anymore. I actually do want like real love, not this kind of sparkly admiration that comes from strangers and casual flings and stuff like that. So if you're still in a phase where you're either forced to or whatever, for whatever reason, you might be at the club still Again, I could fucking be there again, too. I think you can do both where you can be ready to be loved and also still be stripping. Like, I absolutely think you can do both. I just don't think I had the emotional capacity to be able to differentiate between the two and to understand the difference. I think I was still too much. It was still too new to me and I was still too excited about the money and the attention. And I didn't know how to handle it, even though I thought I did. And I thought that by you know, buying like, ew, this is so gross. But like, I literally would like buy him like gifts. Like I even bought him a Christmas present right before he ghosted me where like bring, you know, food to his place. And like I did his laundry. And I thought by doing all of these like nurturing things, I was negating the fact that like emotionally and like just as a person, I was kind of a walking disaster in terms of someone who could be in a stable relationship. I thought that like doing someone's laundry would like counter out the fact that I was just a mess, but it doesn't counter that fact out. And that's not to excuse what he did at all. Like, I don't think he's the best person, frankly. I wish that he could prove me wrong, but I don't expect that at all. But I think taking some accountability and seeing the situation more clearly now has helped at least in my quote unquote healing journey, which is my, my favorite, um, my, our favorite wellness term. Anyway, besides that, just to go back to hinge real quick before we wrap it up. Um, I also matched with a cop by accident. So that's fun for me. Um, he said he was, I'm not, I guess, you know what? I, I'm scared. This is how much I'm scared of the police. And I just don't fucking like them at all. I, I do not fuck with 12. Like JT said, when I was 11, I turned 13 because I do not fuck with 12. Like I will not call the police. Like I will not, I don't, I, I'm good. Like just straight up. I'm sorry. Like if I don't know, I just, I personally, I'm not saying this to be cool. I'm not saying this for any reason other than the fact that like I straight up do not fuck with the police. I just don't, I don't, if I see a cop on hinge or something, like it's an immediate no for me. I don't care if you're like six, four and a millionaire and like the hottest man on earth. And I mean, maybe if you're like down to be a stepfather and whatever, we might consider it. But like for the most part, I just, it's not attractive to me. It's just not the type of person who would want to become a cop, (coughs) excuse me, is so opposite to anything that I like believe in or support and yeah I just I can't so anyway there's this guy he said he was something else in his job title turns out that he's that's something else but for the police force um and we were talking and somehow he like he was like are you a catfish like or something like that he thought he was like I guess joking but maybe thought I was a catfish or whatever and Somehow I gave him my Instagram, but I was like, if I give you my Instagram, you're going to see I'm not a catfish, but you're also going to see something else that I haven't told you. And 
I'm like, it was the first person that I had really talked to on Hinge and he was actually really funny. Like he, I literally was laughing at my phone. I can't remember what he was saying, but it just was a good vibe. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I need to just rip the bandaid off and see how people react to this. Like, I'm just going to give this man my Instagram. Like he seems fine, whatever. So I gave him my Instagram and he sees, he follows me and he sees that I'm pregnant and I look at his page. I'm about to follow him back. And I see that he's a fucking cop. <laughs> he has all these pictures of like Georgia State Patrol because apparently they're he's close with them. And then in his uniform and everything. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. So um, that didn't go well. I haven't spoken to him again or opened his last message because I am scared of him and I don't want to date. I just, I can't. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, ah, leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, he has. I, I don't think he wants to date a pregnant lady either. So I don't think we're exactly a match made in heaven. But um, yeah, so that happened. That was the only other person that I really like had a connection with, I guess, um, on that app. And that was maybe argue, like, it's just not the most ideal person that I could have matched with. And I think since then I've kind of progressed into this like weird perverse version of myself, which is like, I've told a few other people that cause guys are really aggressive also lately. Like they're really like, okay, let's go for dinner. Let's go. And I'm like, can we just talk for four months? please? <laughs> I've like completely switched up, but honestly, can we just talk for four months before? So I can have this kid and then we can go for dinner. Like truly. But, um, guys are really aggressive with, their approach I think sometimes and they just like want to go they want to meet up they want to go for dinner or whatever and so I I've had to tell some people like because I'm not just going to ghost them well sometimes I am but if I feel like we kind of had a vibe and I feel like there could be something there I've started telling people that I'm pregnant and the reactions have been not what I expected at all the amount of men who actually seem open to it and dare I say like more excited about me because I'm about to have a child is like I'm trying to not see it as creepy I think it's a good thing I mean it's giving me some hope but at first I was so afraid to say it because I was like I think I was just judging myself heavily and also I mean I can't help it but also there's just something that feels very like unpure and wrong about dating while you're pregnant. I don't know. It just does. Even the, even just being on an app like hinge while you're pregnant, like it feels so sad and morally deranged, but that's just where we're at. But I'm, I'm really, really shocked at the amount of men who are like cool with it, which is crazy. Maybe I shouldn't be shocked because maybe they're all just I don't know, looking for someone to hook up with and lying about the fact that they're looking for long-term relationships, which is probably the most commonly told lie on an app like Hinge because you have to put, or the app asks you to put what you're looking for and 99% of men put long-term relationship, but open to short. But I will say, just to go back to the ex suggestion thing real quick, it is crazy how... And this is something that I'm coming to understand more and more as I get older. The body, I believe, is really the last thing to heal from trauma. So your mind can move on from something. You can, you know, understand that you're no longer in danger or emotionally attached to something even. But there's something about your body's response to trauma, both 
current and past where the reaction, whether or not you want it to be this becomes like just symptoms of fear. And I've noticed this even when I used to walk into the strip club when I was working there, my like mentally, I would understand like you're safe you're fine. You're going to make money today. It's fine. Physically, I would be like sweating and just like not shaking, but just not myself. And it's because like your body knows when something is off and not to say that the club I worked at was like particularly bad or anything like that. I mean, it was what it was, but just certain things that had happened there. And the fact that I didn't always feel safe the body fucking knows, man. And so when I saw my ex pop up, the physical symptoms of anxiety and fear. I mean, when I tell you like a couple days after that, I had my doctor's appointment and I had had extremely bad anxiety pretty much ever since I saw him and then saw that he didn't like me. So I allowed myself to once again be rejected by a man for the like 10th time. Um, I literally could feel my blood pressure like rise. Like I could, I could legitimately feel myself becoming more and more unwell and it was really hard for me to stop it. And even when I had to go to the doctor, like my blood pressure was literally higher because I was stressed out. So the body is really the last thing to heal when it comes to trauma. I don't know a way around that, but I think it's really interesting to be aware of and to like kind of forgive your physical reaction to things sometimes because even though mentally you might be okay or you might be doing better like physically your fucking gut your skin your heart they know they know when it's not right they know